Hello, and welcome to For the Love of Todd, reviewing the Christy Miller young adult novels for your listening pleasure. Sit back, relax, and journey with us as we talk about Summer Promise, 1988. I promise you won't regret spending time with us. Previously on For the Love of Todd, small-town Wisconsin girl Christy Miller is whisked away on a California adventure with her wealthy aunt and uncle. While at the beach, she meets a mysterious and handsome stranger named Todd and his friend, Sean. One night at a party, things get out of control, and soon Sean finds himself in dire straits. We go now to Christy Miller in the hospital and an uncertain future for Sean. You can see the stuff. <laughs> That's how the other episode started. Is that, is that like a tradition? It's so beautiful. It's, it's a great it's sound. I love the sound. It sounded so good. <laughs> I wanted to be the one to do it this time. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, totally. It's very that's satisfying. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can we can take turns. Yeah, there you go. Can I'll be next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to fit, hopefully finish talking about Summer Promise this time. <laughs> hopefully. We can make it. We can make we can it. it. Yeah. We can do it. I mean, we could if we wanted, we could go through chapter by chapter and just really draw these <laughs> oh out, gosh. but I think we can do one book in two episodes. If we can't do one book in five hours, which is longer than it takes to read them, <laughs> then there's no hope for us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it, t- it takes me a long time to read these because I have to stop and yell about what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Three different places, like first to my notes and then to my group chat and then maybe to someone else in the house. And- yeah. And then also on here again. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. good. It's like, it's therapy. This is, this is all just processing. It is very cathartic. I think yes. this is what I found with Christian movie night too, where we would like watch Christian movies and then just yell about them with other people yeah. who are mad about them too. It just is like nice. a very nice group release. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we left off last time our heroine, Christy Miller had just been summoned to the hospital because Sean was in a terrible accident when he went surfing high. Um, Todd asked her, Todd phoned her and asked her to come uh, and sit with him while he went and found contact info for Sean's parents so he could let them know that he was in a terrible accident. So Christy goes to the hospital. Christy gets her aunt and uncle to drive her to the hospital. Um, anyone's initial thoughts on on this time at the hospital um let's see here she just jumps straight into it so like arriving at the hospital let's see here doesn't the officer like uh 
question so, her almost immediately or yeah yeah that's the that is the first thing that happens is that a cop starts talking to her mm-hmm. okay um, no go ahead you can if you sorry finish your thought oh i i just wanted to uh give props to aunt marty here because a cop is questioning her about whether there were drugs at this party and she and aunt marty starts uh speaking for Christy, who is a minor being questioned by a cop, um, notably, you know, not a doctor or a nurse who might, you know, um, like if Sean had been using drugs, like that's medically relevant information, but not to a cop. Right. Um, So to me, uh, what Marty does here is like pretty good because with how how much both drugs are criminalized in the States and how much children are criminalized in the States. Um, She's kind of looking out for her, not letting her just blab everything that's been going on that night to a cop, uh, no matter what happened. Of course, the book portrays this as Marty being a pushy, horrific bitch, but um, I liked it. (laughs) You would. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, so this interrogation with the with the cop, I thought was really interesting, and the way cops, the way Robin Jones Gunn portrays cops throughout the series. Having read the first and second <clears throat> and third books now, I'm not sure. There's another point where she gets interrogated by a cop, also in the second book, uh-huh. and there is, I mean, first of all, there's this thing like. That comes across in the book. Christy is so innocent, and the cop obviously sees that and is kind of like nice to her because of it. And mm-hmm. also, um, that they're in this interrogation, it, it seemed kind of out of nowhere. Like, okay, suddenly they're at the hospital. And then there's this cop here wanting to to ask her questions. Um, but then as soon as they get the news that Sean died, the cop's like, oh, okay, see you later. Bye. Spoilers. I know. <laughs> By the way, uh, in this scene, Sean dies. Um, yeah, but he dies while she's cop. talking to the cop. Yeah, yeah. This this cop conversation, you, you just made me realize, you're right, it's very... Uh, weird and stilted. And what I realized is that what this cop conversation resembles is not so much an actual encounter with a police officer at a hospital where someone's been injured. It's more like the kind of anxiety catastrophizing you imagine as a teenager when you've been at a party with drugs. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm, what if I see a cop? Um, like it, it plays out like that, which is, I think, the author... Um, really showing like what her attitude to the whole thing is like this, this is basically just like a dare um, scare thing. Exactly. Yes. She's like, you should be afraid of doing drugs because you might have to talk to a cop about it, Mm -hmm. you know? And Christy's so relieved that she didn't do anything dumb at that party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fortunately, uh, the cop also asks her to snitch. Like, do you know the names of any of the other people at the party? Fortunately, Christy is too socially awkward to do that because uh, she tells, she tells, she tells the cop everything she knows, but it's not much. 
So yeah, she can't thank name God. anyone that was there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's 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 complicated, right? Like, ideally, uh, teenagers at parties shouldn't be... Well, I guess they didn't have cocaine anyways, but ideally, teenagers at parties shouldn't be throwing cocaine around. Um, but, like, you know, my personal politics are I don't really trust uh, California police to uh, adjudicate uh, um, that kind of situation effectively. So, whatever. Actually, no, these are rich white kids. They would be fine. <laughs> they would totally be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. The cops are like driving people home after so they don't have to oh, drive drunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So. Sorry. Also, the cop asks some questions about Todd. Like, did Todd try and stop Sean from going into the water? Which is like. <laughs> kind of irrelevant it's totally irrelevant like why yeah. <laughs> did your hero future boyfriend showcase his virtues uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um and then we find out that sean died after right in the middle of this i guess at the end of this interrogation because that kind of shuts it down the oh asks, yeah it's, it's basically um, who is it? Uh, da, 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 da. Bob? Uncle Bob comes back and is like, I'm sorry, honey. Uh, th- there's nothing the doctors could do. And the cop is just like, okay, bye. See ya. Yeah. He says the patient expired with no emotion in his voice. <laughs> well, thanks for your time. Bye. <laughs> Peace. Yeah. Um, I, I just like what was the cop just waiting around for? Like, oh, maybe he'll be fine, and I can charge him for having pot. Yeah. Oh, I dead. Bye. Yeah, like, I'm just trying to kill that? time at the end of his shift or something. I'm, I'm and trying, he's just like... I, like, I'm trying to figure out the decision making process here for. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, which is very it weird. Make, it doesn't make sense as police work. No, it's just a scare tactic by the author to keep mm-hmm. chill, like young people. Like, don't you know, do this kids. is her. Yeah, this yeah. is her. Don't do drugs, kids. Um, I just wanted to say I found it very refreshing that after listening to so many adventures in Odyssey where women die to kind of <laughs> like prompt men to reach their full potential, it's kind of refreshing to have a man die so that Christy can grow personally into a Christian uh, and the perfect godly wife for his best friend. <laughs> right. There you go. So, you're, you're right. Todd you're can right. reach his full potential. Yeah. Indirectly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does Todd really change? The, I guess we we can we can fight over that. Todd's always been a hero. Todd will always be a Todd, hero. Yeah. Todd doesn't how, have how to do improve perfection. Exactly. It's not yeah. about Todd. It's it's about her becoming like the perfect partner for Todd. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Todd doesn't have to change. Yeah. She has to change so that she can, so that she is acceptable to him, which we'll see uh, throughout the rest of the book, <sighs> which is really yucky. I think I just love that. Um, again, to date the book, uncle Bob then goes to the phone booth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I <laughs> yes. missed that part. Uncle Bob's wow. been at the phone booth a few yards away. That I just liked that. So I was like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Or 90s. No, even before that, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so um, I, immediately after uh, they find out, there's a like quick altercation between Bob and Marty. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob starts mm-hmm. shouting mm-hmm. at Marty about how like this is her fault because the most important thing right now is not that a man died. It's that Christie's innocence has been sullied yeah. um, by witnessing this because it's not like her presence had any like effect on the outcome of these events. Um, <laughs> I thought it was where you guys at, are at. Okay. On, um, Oh, I don't, I have a different. Oh yeah. It's okay. I'm on an EPUB and I don't have pages. I'm sorry. I know oh, I'm okay. on an EPUB and I have pages, but it's like, Page 106, which is not going to be... We're in Chapter 7. We're, like, near the end of Chapter 7. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like the last Um, page or so. Yeah. But I thought that... I thought the tension between Bob and Marty was because Bob felt like... Not because of Christy witnessing Sean's death, but because Christy was at the party with drugs in the first place. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And that was, like... Spoiling her innocence. Yeah. Yes. Which um, is really, I think, shaming Marty inappropriately because it's not like Marty has been um, choosing Christy's friends. Like, Christy went out of her own volition, made friends with a girl, made friends with Todd and his social circle, got invited out to a party with all of them. And Marty helped her, but there, there was no scene where like Christy was saying, Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know about these people. I don't know if I should go out. And Marty insisted she goes to the party like that. That never happened. No, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And, uh, and it's not just Bob who rails on Marty inappropriately here. Um, So, uh, Marty is trying to cope with this and basically like says, okay, Christy, let's, let's get out from the hospital here and I'll take you like, let's go get a salad somewhere else, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, everyone deals with grief and shock differently, but like, let's remove ourselves from the situation and like regather is like kind of an acceptable thing. I think you, you, it doesn't have to be what you want to do but it's not something to be angry at other people for uh, doing. And uh, instead, Christie's reaction is she stared at her aunt. What a cold, insensitive woman. Did she think that ignoring reality would make it go away? And that's, that's not, I don't think that's what's happening here. Totally. Yeah. But that is how, again, the, the thing that I think is so interesting about this is how it's framed in Christie's mind is also then shaping the way that women, like young women learn to look at and judge the people around them. Right. Yeah. Like this is the, yeah. the acceptable and right judgment for aunt Marty. And so if you young person reading this book have an interaction with someone like this that's like Aunt Marty, then you know, oh, well, they're judgmental. They're, they can't cope with it. They're being, yeah. you know, they're being bad. And it sets you up kind of to have all of these, like, judgments already yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. And it normalizes that. And it's like, yeah, this is 
this is a correct judgment of her. Mm-hmm. Isn't she the worst? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, so like, so Christy says no, which is also okay to do. It is okay to say no yeah. to going out when you want to, like, you're not feeling hungry. You've lost your appetite. You want to just like go lie down and grieve. That's okay. But the, the author, uh, the, the, the narration says that like the way that she says no is like spiteful and sarcastic. And then, and Marty doesn't insist on bulldozing her and making her do what she wants, what Marty wants to do. Um, she accepts that, which is a common thing in this is that like when Christy says no to Marty, um, Marty accepts that. Um, Right. But when Christy like actually book, vocalizes her boundary, Marty is receptive to that boundary. But and before that, it's like Christy expects Marty to just understand her boundaries and be able to read her mind. And when she doesn't, she gets really mad about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the book portrays accurate. this as like, um, uh, like it as a problem that Marty offers to do things. And that Christy has to say no. Mm. Um, And again, I feel like this is the female socialization, right? Like Marty is not being female appropriately because your job as a woman is to be completely aware and intuit the needs of everyone around you. And if mm. you see the way Christy interacts with Todd, that's what she's always doing is like, trying to be a specific way to be to show him that she's like thinking about him and she's you know always always kind of policing herself to look a certain way around him and to act a certain way around him to make him feel comfortable and that's the way women should be and Aunt Marty isn't like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I like your I like Oh, You're sorry. reading more and more, Mitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead, Lindsay. Um, yeah, Aunt Marty's like such a very like alpha female, which is still to this day a very hard place for a female to be because it's not like the typical like just kind of go along with things. You know, she's bold and like take charge, and that's always seen as a bad thing. And that's. Um, uh, Todd, I was rereading some of it and how Todd always makes statements like we were talking about before, like, Oh, I, I'm going to walk you home or whatever it was. And like, even, uh, when they're on the beach after, uh, after Sean dies and, uh, Todd's like, let's play in the water or something like that. It's always statement after statement after statement. And Christy goes along with it. It's never, ever a question. And she just does it. And it's just, Oh my gosh, it's so frustrating. I think I mentioned that in the last one is just like, but she loves it. Like she wants to just, you know, okay, I'm the dog on yeah. the leash or I guess maybe the other way <laughs> around, but yeah, it's. Yeah. yeah. But then at the same time, he's also so casual and non-committal about anything. Like it's this, yeah, it's this weird, mm-hmm. it's so frustrating because he's very authoritative and matter of fact But then at the same time, he's like, no, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it like sets up, it sets up this dynamic that I think a lot of women, especially in the church, find themselves in when they're in relationships, 
right? Because mm-hmm. the man is supposed to be the quote unquote head of the relationship mm-hmm. or whatever, but the women end up doing literally everything. And then when the men like deign to make a statement, then the women mm-hmm. have to like scramble to do whatever the men want. Mm-hmm even though they make a statement based on usually like not having the information or like un- not understanding the full situation, just like, Oh, well things should be like this mm-hmm. or you not even things. Things are like this. If we're going by Todd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very like, um, it's not meant to be this way in the book, but the way he is, is very manipulative and just pulling Christy mm-hmm. along, you know, like very narcissistic and like, oh, I, I'm bold. I know what I want. We're doing this. And then, well, okay, later, you know? And it's okay. just pulling, dragging her along. And, yeah. and further to that, because I had this exact same thought, is the way he, like, he drags her along because she's not a Christian, right? And he wants her to become a Christian. And then once she becomes a Christian, then it's fine for him to have a relationship oh, yeah. with her, right? Mm-hmm. So he's dragging her along to get to this point that he desires. Like, you, like I have mm-hmm. this goal in mind. You must be a Christian. Then I can date you. Now we're good. Yeah. If yeah. you conform to the standards that I have, then I will love you. Wow. Or then you will be worthy of my affection. Wow. Right? Crazy. Yeah. Thanks. Um, okay. So Christy, they get back from the funeral she this is kind of the beginning of i'm gonna call it like the swirling thoughts that she gets she has for the next few chapters until she becomes a christian and god Mm -hmm. calms her mind and spirit Mm -hmm. um so i'm just gonna read them oh go ahead mitch before i do that um but maybe we should do that. Or I had some things to say about the funeral uh, itself. Well, that, we haven't got there yet. Oh, 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 that's oh next okay. Chapter. okay. Never yeah. mind. Never mind. No, okay. that's okay. So this is just. Oh, I, I maybe said they got back from the. They got back from the hospital. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. Yeah, they got back from. I misspoke. They got back from the hospital. Gotcha. Um, and she's having these swirling thoughts, and so I'm just going to read the paragraph. So many thoughts pierced her. Why, Sean? He was only 16. Sure, he'd been smoking dope, but it was still an accident. Couldn't God have kept it from happening? Uh, I apparently he could have. What We all make mistakes. And where was Sean now? Was he in heaven? Or was hell a real place? Do people really go there when they die? How could he have died just like that? It didn't seem real. Nothing seemed real. Maybe if she could write it, everything out take a look at all the events of the past few days on paper, they might make sense or at least stop spinning around in her head. Um, good questions, right? Like, couldn't God mm-hmm. have kept it from happening? She like goes to problem of evil right away. <laughs> yep. My um, favorite. Does she get answers to that? No, never. No, never. The author is also putting in some stuff here about uh, an ongoing theme that we've talked about in the past of uh, how Christy isn't a complete Christian. You know, she's Mm -hmm. only a third or an eighth 
because she's been going to church her entire life, but she doesn't really have an opinion on whether or not hell is real or if people go there when they die, which you'd think for someone who's like, um, like I understand there's like being kind of culturally vaguely Christian and having some kind of loose unsorted beliefs. But if you're a regular church goer, I figure people usually have an opinion on this um, pretty early on. Um, so she's going to uh, obviously one of those, uh, dumb churches that only exist in evangelical imaginations where no one ever says or learns anything. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange to me. Um, Um, and it's good that you mentioned that because we, she just like harps on this for the rest of the book now, kind of Mm -hmm. this whole, like how she is totally a Christian and not a Christian. Yeah. And somehow totally missed the salvation message and has never asked Jesus into her heart or had, you know, it's, it's a very weird position for someone to be in Lindsay. Yeah. I was, as I was rereading tonight to like, you know, just refresh my memory. She's such a ditz. Like Christy is such a ditz, you know, like all these like heaven and hell and oh my gosh. And like all these questions that if you've been raised in the church, you know, from the time you're at least nine or 10 or younger, even like she's just not been paying attention or something because she is, she is a Christian, you know, like you would be a Christian at this point, according to all of this, but she just, the author is trying to use somebody, you know, like trying to make the salvation message, from somebody who already knows it, but she wants to get the message in, but she can't imagine not having someone who's completely secular or whatever you want to call it. Christianese. Well, sorry. <laughs> you're also <laughs> you not know? supposed to be friends with people who are not Christian. So it's right. like, yeah. Right. How do yeah. you evangelize people if they're not already Christian? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So she has to be at least halfway there. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I I think that like um I, I I don't want to convey that like everyone, including like a sixteen year old like teenager, needs to have like a definitive answer on every theological topic uh, sorted out in advance. Like uh, a shocking death is an acceptable um, like reasonable time to be questioning these sorts of things, but that's not how the author conveys it the mm-hmm. author construes it as like she just has no idea mm-hmm. whatsoever yeah. and again i could see if it was like her parents weren't christian and like her grandma took her to church occasionally but her parents are very christian mm-hmm. and are yeah. super strict like, yeah. yeah super they go super every religious. single sunday yeah so and you know she's going to youth group and like well, you th- you expect you she's going to youth group. Although I was confused because in the second book, when she starts going to church, like her parents aren't going to church. And so I guess maybe her yeah. her parents don't go to church ever. Like I maybe she was like, more wishy-washy. <laughs> yeah, they went every Sunday, but I wonder if it's just like because they moved. So they're just kind of like blah in this like overwhelmed state of like trying to move and not knowing where to go type of thing. So maybe they were just like taking a breather or something, but yeah. 
Mitch. I think sometimes the author forgets what her plan is for Christie's plan. <laughs> so much time on Bob and Marty as the like worldly adult influences in her life that the parents are just kind of a blank afterthought. Like uh, they are barely described or show up at any point in any of the books, even when she's living with them. Mm-hmm. That's like what every story is though. Like, you know, every movie and everything, there's always like a horrible, like either there's no parents or there's one parents or they've got a terrible relationship because they need something to propel the character forward so that's not just this book that's just like every story every movie ever i feel like i i I totally get you there but like her parents are in her life right right they they are present yes uh in her life just not in the story of the book yeah uh in a way that's a little confusing because the author has things to say about bob and marty and has nothing to say about good christian parents they're just there mm-hmm. yeah just these yeah, like they haven't, bland in, they haven't influenced characters. yeah they haven't influenced yeah. christy at all in her spiritual walk apparently <laughs> it's like they go to Even, church they're done for every week you know they don't talk about anything i don't know but yet they're well, super, super strict. it does say i think earlier on it says something about how her dad would only just you know think about things and then give her the answer like this is how yeah. it is and that's just how it is Right. And that's kind of all they say about mm-hmm. her dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Th- there are occasional details about her parents, but there's no like dynamism. Like they don't yeah. they don't interact with the plots mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah. At least uh so far. I don't remember in the later books, but in the first couple. It's still very much I think yeah. through most yeah, of I think the, the pretty... whole thing is they're very much background characters. Bob and Marty are the are at the forefront as far as the adult characters go. Um, shall we talk about Sean's funeral? God, yes. Okay, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. So, Uncle Bob takes Christy to the funeral. She gets there, she sees Todd in front of the, um, what is it? A funeral parlor? In front of the building. And... Her and Todd hold each other for a long time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is appropriate. Nice, nice yeah. moment for those poor, like thirteen-year-old girls reading this book, just <laughs> waiting for like some moments of contact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it wasn't even like an awkward side hug or anything. Yeah. Oh my gosh, not the not hug. the Christian side hug. Oh my gosh. And it should be noted that Todd gives full frontal hugs. <laughs> That's what I'm calling them. <laughs> the, the full frontal frontal hugs <laughs> throughout the whole book. Uh, not none of those awkward side hugs, Man. which I would say is very forward for him. I mean, yeah. she should have known just from the fact that he was hugging her full frontal. <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah the the author wants to portray todd as already being 30 years old mentally but you just know that 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 christian little boy is like i can feel boobs through my shirt (laughs) (laughs) and i mean i feel like she she alternates between him being like 30 and also him being like 12 and just Mm -hmm. like being super silly and like running away and being 
kind of dumb, you know? Yeah, he I was definitely way too mature for a 16-year-old most of the time as far as, like, his wisdom and everything. Like, he became a Christian yeah. last year when he was 15, apparently. And yeah, so now he's right. just got, like, all the godly wisdom in the universe. Um, yes, that's how it works. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. Well, he is a man. So yes, I assume true. when you're a man and you become a Christian, you get your your mind is connected with the god hive mind of all, oh. all god and all the other men i wouldn't know since i'm a woman but no yeah. no no i mean yeah. and i that's why they have penises <laughs> it's like it's like an antenna <laughs> to beam just gonna say the that. message to from from to and from god yes mitch I, I think that there's something in Todd that is also like he's very much like a fresh new convert. Like he's very high on the idea mm-hmm. of like the way the universe has been revealed to me. And now I know the truth and now mm-hmm. I have a mission in life, which yeah. was something that uh, frequently would confuse me as someone who was brought up in a very just like, you know, like culturally Christian church where you didn't really have that born again uh, fervor. Um, yeah, so and, you you are the target audience of right. this book. A Christian who's not a Christian, no, right? Well, I I don't I don't know. I'll have to think about that more as we go forward. Uh, I want to say that I, I've seen that like born that born again. Now I know everything. The wisdom of the world has been revealed to me in both like young men and young women. It's just that in with the young women, it never goes well for them. In <laughs> oh no, That's oh no, true. yeah, that is if with the young men that the pastors and like the youth pastors and like the, the men, the older men in the church will are there to take them under their wings. Mm-hmm. And with the young women, they are just shot down. It's you basically can be the secretary. Just, shut up. Yeah. Nobody yeah. cares. Um, I did have a question. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I had a question for Mitch actually. Um, Cause since you grew up in the Anglican church, um, do you not, do they do any kind of like prayer? This is a little bit, uh, you know, that's farther ahead, but do you have a prayer that you have to pray or are you just always assumed to be a Christian? Oh, uh, no. So, um, the way that, um, Okay, so uh, the way the Anglican Church works is that culturally they don't really gatekeep whether or not someone's a Christian. That's basically between them and God, and there's no formalized process. However, um, so infant baptism exists. uh, Adult baptism also exists. Um, and for adult baptism, um, like with the kind of the prayer ritual and everything, that is very much an act of like accepting God and Christ as your savior and becoming a Christian. Um, for people who were infant baptized, there's actually a process called confirmation, which is like oh. as a uh, teenager or young adult, you can go through confirmation as a, like basically to confirm. It's like, yes, I was baptized and raised in the church, but this is me making a formalized commitment of my own volition that isn't just me showing up with my family that I want to be a part of the church and, and one with God. Okay. Um, so that, is, that those are things that people do, but the Anglican church doesn't judge you as a Christian on whether or not you've done them. Oh, okay. Is that a yeah. good? Yeah. yeah. 
I was just curious because I, I don't know, have any background in that. I just kind of always assumed oh. that all Christians were like raised the same way as me and were evangelical. <laughs> like I don't know even know when I heard. I think it was like I was a grown up when I heard about Anglican churches. So, um, for the record, I don't remember uh, if I was confirmed. I think Stephen was. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. We might, if maybe we were confirmed at the same time, it's possible. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Um, I just want to say back to what you were talking about, about men becoming Christians and then having all of the answers to the universe. I just wanted to say that that was basically my Bible college experience for four years of being around those men. So that was really fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can imagine. It was great. <laughs> it's a seductive attitude it's you know people want meaning and security and it's it's not you know unique to the church like uh i i'm i'm a communist i'm a marxist i hang out with a lot of marxists um you get people who are like that in there too they've heard the good news of dialectical materialism and suddenly they understand everything and they're just as much assholes about it you know <laughs> new converts Uh (laughs) potential comrade um so they go into the funeral and this is i thought the way the funeral is portrayed aesthetically was interesting can i ask Mm -hmm. okay so there's a description and i just want to know if you guys know what this word means so uh they shuffled into a small room glutted with monstrous flower arrangements is that just like i think there's just like a lot gluttony? of them like, like yeah. is that from I, I like you had gluttonously okay. gorged on yeah, yeah okay yeah. i just had never heard that word before i was like yeah, that's an interesting way to describe it i hadn't heard mm-hmm. it I just, it, you know, it's yeah. a weird it, I, I i'll agree with you it's a weird word choice mm-hmm. for a dream romance but she i mean like she's trying to say that it's like the whole like the whole description of the whole thing is like it's choking like it's a cloying thing like the air seemed to push against christy's chest choking her with the pungent sweetness of the flowers Mm -hmm. um i think the author's actually doing a really passive aggressive gross thing here of like oh all these people are trying to pretend that this young man isn't in hell hmm. or am i the only one I didn't no, I was think about that, that at too. all. Wow, that's interesting. About because it's not at a church, right? It's like at yeah, a it's at home. a funeral home. Yeah. Um, organ music, slow and monotonous, pounded the insides of her head. She wanted to throw up, and this is her response to the funeral. Um, this feeling like nauseous and sick and like claustrophobic, and then. There is a bald clergyman wearing a black robe who delivers a, a short message, and you know he's base. He's <laughs> portrayed as a, in a robe, so that would be Anglican or Catholic. I guess Episcopal in the States, Episcopalian, yeah, yeah um, Episcopalian, some, some more formalized church. Yeah, it's it's totally just a character assassination smear. On, it is. Uh, on Episcopalians. Yeah. You guys are picking up so much more than I <laughs> picked up through this. So it's very interesting listening to you guys. Um, 
Because I just thought it was interesting the way she described the clergyman because it wasn't a pastor, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't like just mm-hmm. and the, even calling him a clergyman is like, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, that's what he it, is. Denying that he's actually a priest or a pastor. Or yes, exactly. Clergyman makes it sound like it's a bureaucratic. Uh, yes. Position. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, then a large red-haired lady in a lo- in a dark gray dress sang a morose song, clasping her hands together as if this were an opera rather than a funeral. Ave Maria. Uh, <laughs> right? Isn't that like usually what they say at at no funerals? Sometimes yeah. I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> That's what I was picturing. I think anyway. I've only been to to Christian funerals of like mostly old people, so it's always hymns. <laughs> So I don't oh, know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I, I oh. go ahead. I, I think this is a weird thing. Like, what, what, what does the author want here? Does she want it to be like any other evangelical service where someone plinks on a guitar and they like have a rock concert that they trick people into coming to? <laughs> I mean, like, I, I really want to go to bat for a like a a little bit of somber ritual mm-hmm. sometimes you know yes. like that that yeah. is okay i agree completely agree and i felt like she was setting this up in opposition to something unspoken um right to the a correct way to do a funeral which would be like the evangelical way, I guess, which is where you, it's a celebration of their life and the fact that they have eternal life and rather than so mournful Mm -hmm. and sad. And it would be a long drawn out message instead of a short message. Yeah. And you're right. It would be like more upbeat music. There would be, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting. Also, she kind of just skips over all of this stuff. Like, this happens and this happens and this happens. But the star of the show, then Todd. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, sorry, you said something really good there that I wanted to. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I jumped. No, it's fine. Yeah, so then the clergyman uh, brings up Todd. Yeah. Who is here to give his first sermon that we know of to try and convert everyone in the audience. Of all the mourners in the audience. Oh, I know what it was. Because in evangelical funerals where you say this isn't, um, we're not mourning their passing, we're celebrating their life, is you don't leave room for people to mourn the loss of a loved one. No. Yeah. There's no, it's not acceptable then to feel sad that they're not Mm -hmm. here because they're with God. So, you know, you're not allowed to miss them, to mourn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, it is an opportunity. Uh, I worked at a church, so I did have to help run a few funerals because it was a church of mostly elderly people. Uh, mm. So it happened. But <laughs> but um, it was also an opportunity for the pastor to then get, like, you're going to hell, turn or burn in while they're also celebrating this person's life because this person was then connected to all of, you know, people would come, their kids, their grandkids, mm-hmm. family that wasn't Christian for whatever legitimate reasons they weren't. And it, it was the pastor's opportunity to 
speak into their lives. It's so yucky. It is gross. Well, so, so, so flip side question. Um, like I, I had a fair amount of experience with the evangelical church, but it was just in my teen years and I never went to a funeral. They seriously fucking do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would have to like, like run, I'd have to like run sound and stuff during, cause you know, um, during funerals and there was always something about that in the sermon. Oh my Every, because yeah. you're supposed to, as an evangelical, you're supposed to turn every interaction with a non-Christian into an, a proselytizing opportunity. Mm-hmm. And this is a contact point with potentially many non-Christians. When they're and vulnerable you could, also. When they're vulnerable yes. and you can scare them into becoming Christian. Yeah. Exactly. That's something that I actually really often found is that um, so evangelicals like to talk up about how they have all of these different, you know, strategies and arguments and they can prove to people and logically show an atheist why they should turn to God. But none of that shit works. None of that works. The only thing that ever works, the thing that always works, and I sometimes I don't think they really even understand this themselves, is to get people in a point of emotional vul- vulnerability. Mm-hmm. that's that's the that's the real hook it's mm-hmm. like it's like email phishing you know you just you just put shit out there not really caring or making a connection with people um and eventually someone will bite and you've got them and good mm-hmm. um the some the of them do know this and do it intentionally that's that's mm-hmm. wow. it's gross yeah um my kitten. Um, so, so Mitch, are you saying, because I took a class specifically on apologetics and how to talk to atheists and how to get them to become Christians. Are you saying that whole class was useless? I mean, <laughs> do you have any good anecdotes of that working? Uh, no. I don't I never tried it. That sounded that sounded horrible. It sounded like a horrible conversation to because have with someone. Anytime you approach someone then who is not a Christian, all you see, you don't see them as a person. Nope. You're not allowed to see them as a person and they're mm-hmm. not a person until they become a Christian, which is a similar thing that Todd does with Christy mm-hmm. in this book. Mm-hmm. Right? You, Everyone you aren't allowed to like Exactly. You aren't allowed mm-hmm. to see them and think of them as a person who has a valid viewpoint on the world because though obviously they're wrong. Yeah. And you're always, so everyone is a project and you're coming at them with all the answers as if you have all the answers and you are right. And no, you'll, you'll listen to them talk just so you can, you know, you'll wait for them to stop talking so you can get your words in, but you're not, it's not like a mutual let's go back and forth. I want to learn about your beliefs and why you believe them because I value you as a person and I'm curious to know your upbringing, your background, stuff like that, what's important to you. It's no, mine is more important and mine is right. So I'll tell you and your stuff is just crap. So I'll listen to you, but I can't wait for you to shut up so I can preach at you. Exactly. You listen to respond and Mm -hmm. not to listen. Mm -hmm. And this is like one of my biggest frustrations with 
some people that we know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the church still yet. So w- I know we, that we were just talking about how apologetics never works, but um, what you all were just talking about reminded me there's a specific kind of person that that can work on. And it's people who have that exact same attitude. If someone is an atheist and it's not just like they don't think that God is real, it's more, and this used to be way, way, way more common about a decade ago when, you know, the the stereotypical internet atheist was in vogue um, of like where it's just their excuse to be like kind of a Sam Harris type where like, this is my argument I use to be important and bludgeon everyone around me. Um, if you can get one of the two of those people into a fight, sometimes the other one will flip because it's that you've ju- basically just... Uh, battered them into deciding that they need to choose a different team to do the exact same thing that they were going to be doing anyways. Um, But as far as like um, ideas and meaning in a personal way, uh, no, never works. Those people are the worst, by the way, the the people who were like militant asshole atheists and then turned into militant asshole evangelicals, absolute frightful monsters, really impressive. (laughs) And also the other way, they go both ways. Mm. Yes. 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 Uh, the apostle Paul, anyone? God, he was the worst. where everything started going wrong (laughs) but again this is this was my bible college experience was i was with a a several of those asshole guys who would argue about stupid stuff they would be like sitting at the dinner table arguing 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 about like calvinism Mm -hmm. and like well the bible says this and the bible says this who cares why 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 and like cornering as many people as they could See that's, that's the thing. I I think like you know I I I have to confess like I'm a fucking ideas guy. I think having arguments about stuff like that can be fun as a recreational activity between mm-hmm. people who are enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But that's Absolutely. like you, you you've got to have you got to respect people's boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Not in the church, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. True. <laughs> Well, and like you were like you were saying, like approaching it as people who have different opinions that just want to discuss different opinions or different beliefs as opposed to, well, I'm right and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And this is just it's just let me just keep telling you why I'm right and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every every exchange of ideas doesn't have to be a philosophical knife fight to the death, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking well, of, and that's why uh, you're not in the evangelical church. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I feel like we should put that on a t-shirt or something. Every exchange of ideas yeah. does not have to be a I, I'm paraphrasing someone else who used that quote before. I'm I definitely didn't invent that. Um should we talk about Todd's yeah. altar call at Sean's funeral? I kept failing to say it, but yeah, speaking of not respecting boundaries, holy right? shit. Seriously. Right? Um, okay, I'm going to just read. Oh, do you want to read it, Mitch? As our guy, who's as our Todd, Todd voice Todd. guy, <laughs> as our token Paul. male. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the only reason I'm here is for diversity requirements. Um, 
I've been friends with Sean for a long time, he began and, and paused to clear his throat. <clears throat> I was there the night he died, and I'll probably never forgive myself for not doing more to stop him. His voice cracked. We were really tight. <laughs> we did everything together until last summer when I became a Christian. I really wanted John to become a Christian too. I don't know if he ever did. That's when Todd broke. He let out a deep, choking sob and quickly wiped his eyes with the palms of his hands. Christy blinked away her own tears and looked over at Tracy. Tears streamed down Tracy's face. She didn't even try to stop them. This is because Tracy is, like, so perfect and vulnerable and, like, very mm-hmm. feminine. And mm-hmm. we're supposed to admire mm-hmm. that in her. Keep going, mm-hmm. Todd. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's, let's just do this. I'll, I'll skip over some of the book's narration, but uh, just a minute. He drew in a deep breath and said, I, I want to read something. I... I found a verse in the Gospel of John that has helped me. With trembling hands, Todd leafed through his Bible. When he found the verse, he placed the Bible on the podium and looked up, his eyes misted with tears all over again. It's in chapter 11. One of Jesus' friends died, and what blows me away is that Jesus cried. It says here that Jesus wept. It's okay for us to be upset when someone we love dies. Thanks, Todd. It never would have occurred to me. But the part I want to read is what Jesus said to his friend's family. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. Closing his Bible, Todd looked over at Sean's parents. His eyes were clearer, but Christy couldn't believe how pale he looked. What I want to say is that I wish I had this whole week to live over again. I wish Sean were still alive. I wish he'd believed in Jesus and turned his life over to him. Way to make Sean's funeral about you, Todd. Yeah, how narcissistic. He gives them the fucking your son is in hell death glare. I'm not making this very clear, but I know that Jesus radically changed me. All I did was pray and ask him to forgive my sins and take over my life. I just totally believed and now i know i'm going to spend an eternity with him in heaven i just wish i just wish sean i wish all of you todd couldn't finish he was too high on himself he grabbed his bible (laughs) and shakily made his way back to the queue covering his eyes with his hands todd wept um That, like, yeah. How messed up is that? How messed up is that? Utterly perverted. Oh, I'm so sad. I'm so sad. I, oh. No, I don't think I can go first. (laughs) So here, again, cementing the connection between, like, that Todd is, like, a godlike figure, right? So Todd is wet. Yes. Todd is wit, is Jesus, is God. Jesus wept, and Todd wept. Oh, I did not get that the first time or the second time. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's so annoying. I just have it high highlighted. Yeah. Both times. Oh, wait. Because well, 100%, that's what she was trying. That's like, she did that on purpose. Oh, right. Sure. And if I can give a critique, I don't think she did it right. Because the whole thing that people drill on that segment of scripture is that Jesus wept single sentence is an entire verse. And that's yeah. like a kind of lyrical punctuation thing. It's very poignant. It's cute. It's good. The, the author really should have just gone straight for it and also made Todd wept its own sentence full yeah. stop. But, but she doesn't. She gives stage directions of what he's doing with his hands. And like, hey, c- come on, come on. If you're going to do this shit, go <laughs> whole hog. Do it all. <laughs> At least do it right. Um, I'm just wondering, is this foreshadowing that like um, Sean is going to be coming back from the dead? Like Todd is going to go then raise him from the dead. Like yeah, Jesus Lazarus. did Lazarus. Like, mm-hmm. really right? This is This should be the logical next step. If we're uh, John eleven thirty five, by the way, Jesus wept. My favorite <laughs> Bible verse. Two words. <laughs> it was the best one for memorizing. It was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it also has a lot of really good day to day application. Or did did any of you all have was was that a thing? Um, just like as a uh, family safe curse word when. You want to say fuck? Just Jesus wept. Oh no, no. that's a no. mind that you were allowed to that we were allowed to say. That would be anything. like taking the Lord's name in vain. Oh, for sure. No, you're quoting scripture. It's a Bible verse. <laughs> you oh, son man. of a perverse and adulterous woman. <laughs> we're gonna do it. Mine are less biblical. Usually, mine are fudgical. That's where I go. Is how I fix cover that one for my children. Yeah. Although my, my although... smallest frequently says fuck, so I'm not doing that good of a job. <laughs> well, didn't I told you about that my daughter says said fuck in perfect context the other day, right? My two year old, she's like, oh, she dropped something. She's like, oh, fuck. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and now my son is like, he's like, Mom, can I say heck? And I'm like, yeah, you can say heck, but not fuck. No, you can't say fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. A, uh, a friend of mine in like the first month that her daughter was in the first grade, uh, the teacher had a conversation with her about like, okay, you need to have a conversation with your daughter about language because she's saying fuck in class. And so they, they went home that day and my friend had a conversation with her daughter about like, okay, so um, I'm not going to do what your teacher wants and tell you that you can never say that, but there is a time and a place for language and if you're going to use the F word, it should be appropriate when, like, you are really hurt or really upset for good reason. And you can't just be dropping F-bombs all over the place for fun. Uh, all right? And Okay, okay. And then about, like, 15 seconds later, uh, her husband was moving a coffee table and dropped it on her daughter's foot. And she said... Dad, that really fucking hurt. <laughs> and they all just had to stop because like, yeah. That that was right. Good job. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. Perfect life application right there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I would just like to say back to the Jesus wept verse that I, uh, frequently told people when I was in Bible college, this is something that I still, uh, maintain, but that my spiritual gift is crying, that everyone has a spiritual gift and my spiritual gift is crying. And I use this verse as my justification for it, because if Jesus can weep when people need, when someone needs to weep. I can weep too. <laughs> but uh, I just, I would tell people that I remember, I think the, I think the pastor Livingstones uh, laughed at me about it. I was like, well, that's not a real thing or something. It's like, okay. And just like left it. And that, that happened a few times. I think when I was at school, like, oh, aha, uh-huh, you're so funny. You're but we both know that that's not a real spiritual gift. Can't emotion. Can't emote. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. right. We don't want to talk about or acknowledge or examine those things. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you, you brought up spiritual grifts. I, I have to say that. I like that you uh, call it spiritual grifts. Spiritual grifts. <laughs> um, so I was having a conversation, I think it was in a van on the way to YC, and I was talking to someone, I think, um, I think someone from Crossroads was sharing like, you know, the van bench with me. And we were talking about like, uh, you know, how those Mormons aren't real Christians. And I talked about how uh, like I got like a really bad vibe from their churches. And this dude was like, uh, oh, Mitch, you must have a gift of the spirit, the gift of discernment. You can see spiritual truths in the building. And I didn't have the heart to tell him that the church he went to gave me the exact same bad Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say crossroads completely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so Candace, what's your spiritual gift since we're talking about spiritual gifts? Mine is sarcasm. That's mine. Oh, That's no, not mine Bible, but- yeah. is the ability to cut a bagel straight down the middle. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That. We are supposed but, to pray for the big spiritual gifts, and that's a good one. So That's, yeah, yeah. that's the biggest. Yeah. Maybe you could pass your spiritual mantle on to me. Yes, I would love to share it. Okay. I would love to share my mantle with all of you. <laughs> yeah, can you lay on hands next time in the, I'm in the kitchen? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put things, yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> That, that's right. Not not like spiritual laying on hands. I mean, lay hands on a bagel and show me your technique. Exactly. Yes, yes exactly. Uh-huh. I will lay hands on a bagel and a knife and show you my technique. <laughs> you secretly just have a, one of those bagel slicer things, don't you? No, I've no. never needed one. <laughs> I want Damn. one because I'm so bad at it. But God, I can't have another freaking kitchen gadget, you know? I know. <laughs> they have the, they're, they're too many. Especially them. when it's only useful for one thing. That's yeah, like, and, yeah I and it feels it feels so terrible to waste money on what is basically just a couple pegs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that we're having, you know, the real important conversations, <laughs> this is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, any more? Anyone have anything else to say about the funeral? After Todd wept, the clergyman stepped forward and, in a deep, controlled voice, offered a lofty-sounding benediction. And then the group dispersed. So that, again, is characterizing characterizing how, you know, he, his, 
benediction compared to Todd. Like Todd's was so like raw and real and from the hot heart from the hot from the hot heart <laughs> from his hot heart from the hottie <laughs> and the clergy this clergyman is like so um cold kind of cold and like withdrawn and too cerebral you know yeah yeah or too he doesn't formal. he he doesn't know that him personally probably or like he didn't know Sean personally, but it is frustrating because mm-hmm. sometimes I find the very like, um, like the traditions, even like I like going to Catholic churches once in a while, like very rarely, but once in a while and like lighting a candle as like a prayer. Like I just mm-hmm. like that tradition and that sentiment and just, or just sitting in the pews just silently as like an act of reverence or just if I don't know what to pray, just like a, I don't know what to pray. So instead of going to like a rock Whatever. concert yeah. every week. Or, yeah. So like I pretend like you can some of the traditions. A little bit of pageantry and ritual is really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And just like and what's they- wrong with the benediction that's, that may have been like pre-written out or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're nervous or if you want to make sure you say it nice and well, there's nothing wrong with like writing out a nice prayer or something. Well, it sounds like this clergy did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Yes, it was far too religious and not relationship-based. Yeah, yeah, because evangelicals are not really religious at all. They're <laughs> totally about relationships. Nope. We totally we brag about it. We are so for relationships. We have yeah. no religion in us whatsoever, which is why we are just known as the nicest most accepting people on earth to every yeah. group that is different than us. Okay. But I feel like because that is such a strong message of like, well, it's all about relationship, not religion. Then when young people are like, Oh, but you guys are just as religious as everyone else. They just walk away because they, bl- they were like hopeful. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they like lied to them and like sucked them in. We're like, it's mm-hmm. relationship. It's relationship. Bam. Just kidding. It's religion. Sucker. Like, and not and only, this is why young people are walking away. Sorry. I mean, it's not only it's not even that it's religion. It's that it's like sexism and racism and yes, homophobia and things that, also, and yeah. that are opposite of relationship. A hundred percent. You yeah. know, that's yeah. very that's a very good point. That's like why I have now as a grown up walked away is because I'm like, oh, this is all crap. Like mm-hmm. all judgment from for everyone who's the least bit different than me. And I'm sick of it. Like I would rather have compassion and empathy for people who are different and I can't do it in the church. Yeah. So. Cause you, you had this like recognition that everyone is human and yeah. that you're in an organ, an environment that kind of makes you tries to make you treat other people as less than mm-hmm. you know like as other when yes. they're just like they're human yeah and it's all in the language completely too i've been thinking about this a lot how it's, it was always christian versus non-christian like if you're a christian you're mm-hmm. a christian everybody else is doesn't matter what they are they're nothing but just non-christian every whatever your label is just that's all you are so it's mm-hmm. a completely like us yeah it's exactly totally um okay so marty whisks them away to san francisco to get away from the sadness okay wait there's a there's a thing while they're on the plane though 
There's a thing while they're on the plane. Well, I want. I just want to. She cries. I... She cries on the plane. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, they're on the plane. She's looking down. She can see the California coastline from up here. The waves looked like a thin line of soap suds. How could those same waves have taken Sean's life? Is this how God sees everything from such an exalted distance that it all looks insignificant, unimportant? Did he really care about how people felt? So she's asking these good questions. And then literally the next sentence is, but Todd said, then she remembered that Todd had said, Jesus wept. God must care. I, okay. That's all you need to know. He must. Yeah. Todd said it. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Todd wept, Jesus wept. I mean, enough said. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I just want to say something really quick and then pass it to you. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you brought up this because I feel like this is the beginning of the section in the book where she really sets up like Bob and Marty and Alyssa with these different ideologies, like these ways of viewing the world Mm -hmm. that are problematic, intentionally problematic. So as to kind of bolster the Christian way of the evangelical way of thinking about things, because Mm -hmm. arguably like Bob and Marty are both Christians. Um, Right. And that's like, she's wrestling with these kind of big, big ideas. And then it kind of is a segue into having some of these conversations with people that are coming up. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does does God care or is he just like a distant, unmoved mover or whatever? And then she's right. Jesus wept. God cares. Which doesn't answer why did a bad thing happen when God should be powerful enough to stop it. All it says is a bad thing happened. God should have been powerful enough to stop it. And or everything in the universe moves to God's will. So God did this thing, um, depending on how you want to interpret it. Um, but he cares. So it's OK, which is just textbook like straight up abuser logic Mm -hmm. it's okay that i'm hurting you it makes me sad when i hurt you that's a really good point it's it's really fucked up and i am always like very vigilant for that kind of attitude because i think evangelicals in particular are just all on that they Mm -hmm. fucking love it and Mm -hmm. it's disgusting and I think this whole book is like that, especially this end part that we're moving into and the way people treat Christy and then the way they treat her once she becomes a Christian too. Mm-hmm. this, like it's this withholding thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which is also an abuse tactic. Yeah. Like we can't love you fully until you, um, Conform. conform, Yeah, conform or convert or whatever. Like, we kind of like you, but we can't fully love you. Yeah. And it's your fault that we can't fully love you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then she has some... She has some negative thoughts about Aunt Marty again on the plane. Because Aunt Marty says... I have something to say to you, dear. You mustn't get all worked up about this funeral. Your parents raised you to be a nice Christian girl, and you don't need to dwell on ugly things like death. Christy glared at her aunt. How can you simplify all of life like that to make it fit into your compact Gucci bag? There has to be more to life than money and clothes and being popular and all the other things you've drilled me on. 
So Christy uh, has an emotional uh, mean reaction at Marty for taking her on a vacation after her uh, person that wasn't even her friend that she knew for a day died. Um, <laughs> and like, I, 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 I can kind of get a little bit of that attitude, but also Christy still enjoys this vacation. Which is the, the thing that happens every single time Marty is smeared for taking Christy out and giving her things and treating her and doing nice things. Every mm -hmm. single time Christy likes it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it, sometimes that's, that's mediated by problems and things, but every single time Christy likes it or benefits from it, she gets nice clothes that she then actually enjoys showing off. Um, anyway, I just had to stand for Marty again for a minute mm -hmm. here. I mean the the you don't need to dwell on ugly thing on ugly things like death. That's the. Mm -hmm. uh, but I agree with her. Like your parents raised you to be a Christian girl, but apparently, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, I mean that that particular line just strikes me as fake, right? It like, is. That's, mm -hmm. yeah. that's the article. That's the author taking control. I, I know that the author is in control of the whole thing, but that's where, like, for for a while, sometimes Aunt Marty is a person, and then sometimes the author sticks her hand into the puppet and moves her mouth to say stuff that a no person would ever say. You know, completely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um. So this in this chapter also. They meet for the first time a black man. <laughs> oh, I have yes! it highlighted also. This was so <laughs> crazy. Like oh, we have to get into oh. this, don't we? I, wait, uh, oh, go ahead. I just want to say one thing before we get to that part. Because there's um there's a line. So they get there, they're out going shopping, whatever. And then they're going on a cable car. Yeah, so can you see that? Because I was yawning. After so so the line is after a forty minute wait, they push their way through the crowd onto the cable car and headed for Fisherman's Wharf. I just I read through that and I was like, push your way through because we're just. <laughs> <laughs> it's like why would you subject yourself to that many people? I just like, it but just also. If you're waiting, why do you have to push through also the crowd? <laughs> There's like it didn't make. Anyway, is it a like line several, or is it a crowd? There were several things that didn't make sense to me, but the really it was just triggering for me because I was oh, like, yeah. "There's too many people." Yeah, <laughs> if you're touching other people, there's too many people. No one's wearing masks. But also, that's a very <laughs> good point. Why are you pushing your way through if you're all standing in line? Anyway. Now we can get onto the important things. That just was something I wanted to highlight. So they get onto the cable car. And we find out that cable car driver is um, a large African-American man who wore a jaunty beret and snappy brown uniform. <sighs> this part is almost so cringy. I can barely handle it because... <laughs> just so cringy. It's bad. I know, and I when I as I was reading this, like I did not remember this from when I read it as a teenager, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder if she's gone back and been like, oh, maybe that was, you know, I'm wondering like, does she see that it was, I don't know, something was clearly wrong, yeah, yeah, majorly problematic. He's the first African American, and he's like in this servitudinal, is that the right word, role? Yeah. You know, like his role is 
just this is his crappy job he has to do every day. It's, I don't know. Yeah, and he's so proud of it. He's so proud to drive mm-hmm. white people around. Also, there Bob is talking to him, and they're talking about whatever it was closed down for two years or whatever, and and Bob and it just says Bob seemed genuinely interested. Like, was he not like? He doesn't see. Is that a surprise that he would be interested in something that a black man had to say, or like, is there? That's, yeah, really I'm also weird. like I'm I'm not going to uh, read the lines because I'm not throwing myself on that landmine. But like the way the author writes, the dude's spoken lines are like a white person wearing blackface. Like yes, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. The cadence and structure of all of it, it's like really fucked up. Yeah, there. Yes, I agree. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, maybe I'm just projecting some of my contempt for the author there, but... No, I think that's... accurate. And that's it. Like, So literally, the interaction happens. It's like half a page. Um, And then they move on, and there's no, like... The, the whole point of it seems to be to show that this black man is a very good worker and um, very good at his job. So, uh, uh, Uncle Bob goes out of his way to tell this guy who is doing his job that he's good at doing his job because of course, uncle Bob is an expert at whatever he is currently looking at and wants to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's the white well, guy in the room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, like when he says you took that corner quite well, Bob noted you've been doing this long. It's like almost yeah. very condescending, yeah. like as if a grown ass man can't drive a freaking cable car. Like, clearly yeah. it's, it can't be you know it's and also quite crazy. well like you could do better bob yeah like <laughs> shut your face yeah <laughs> well yeah it's just this like kind of forced interaction like look look there's diversity in the book look there's look at you know just all well, of this extra major, friendliness like, to this person who's different. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Yeah, like, because it's, you don't know that anyone else, I mean, yeah, everyone else is pretty much clearly white. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was going to say maybe they're not, but no, they all, all got like blonde hair or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's major tokenism. And it's just, it's so frustrating because it's all this stuff that I know now as a grown up and like living in the United States in a multi multi-ethnic city you know so it's like when you're but when you're a white person a likely a white teenage girl reading this you're just like mm-hmm. oh wow an african-american In central man. alberta <laughs> yeah you know you're just like oh cool like a black guy you know almost like hey look there's a black guy it's yeah. like yeah an exciting thing you know and it's just like weird you I think you just hit the nail on the head. That's what I was trying to reach at in this. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing a person of color is part of the exotic sights of her fun vacation. <gasps> yes. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly wow. it. Because she's from Wisconsin. Yes. Which is, yes, very white. Mm-hmm. 
Well, she's from Wisconsin and she's staying with rich white people in California. Yes, true. Right. Yeah. We've, we've got we've got two different flip sides of a uh, white supremacist coin. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. All right. Is is there anything else going on at the um and during the vacation that we want to Well, okay, I want to talk about when they're at the oh. restaurant. So they go shopping yeah. and then they go to the restaurant. Um, oh, she buys Todd a sweatshirt that says I escaped from Alcatraz. Hilarious. Which is important, so, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go to a restaurant. And this is, I think this is important where they start talking, where you hear like Bob's spiritual philosophical worldview and marty's spiritual philosophical worldview and then later we hear Alyssa's spiritual philosophical worldview and these are the ones that she's kind of presented with as her options for how to understand the world right the, the march of the straw men begins yes exactly <laughs> so they're at the restaurant and uncle bob interrupts marty's chit chat to become philosophical with christy there are many things in this life to experience, Christy. It's okay to experience anything you want as long as you know when to pull back. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not sure. Actually, she was completely lost. It's like the cable car ride, Uncle Bob explained. You were having a great time riding on the outside, hanging on and feeling the full force of the wind and the momentum of the cable car, but then you pulled yourself in just in time when we slid past the other car. And you were safe. What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> Christy popped the last bit of crab into her mouth. Just what I've told you before. Be true to yourself. Do what you want to do. Be your own person. Make the most of your life because it's your life. That's what I'm trying to say. Which I think is good advice, actually. Mm-hmm. For once, yep. for once, Aunt Marty remained silent <laughs> as Christy bluntly replied. Just can't catch a fucking break. I know. But Uncle Bob, Sean did what he wanted to do. He was his own person, and now he's dead. (laughs) It was silent for a moment. And then Bob answered, That's exactly what I mean about the cable car. He leaned across the table to make his point. You just have to pull yourself in at the right time, and you won't get hurt. I don't know, Christy countered. I'm not sure I want to live on the edge like that. I mean, what about God? Where does he fit in? Does he just let me go my own merry way? And if I don't happen to pull myself in in time, then splat, splat, and that's that. Too bad, Christy. She sat back in her seat. Aunt Marty seemed embarrassed that they were discussing these things in a restaurant and tried to wrap up the conversation in her own compact way. Of course not, dear. God no. God is love. Everybody knows that. God helps those who help themselves. All you need to do is try to be a good person, just like Bob and I have always done. Yes, but Aunt Marty, are you sure that's all there is to it? For instance, how do you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die? Aunt Marty bristled. I don't think this is either the time or the place to get into a theological discussion, Christina. Then turning to Bob, she added, Pay the bill, will you, darling? I'm going to the ladies' room. It felt as if an icy wind had blown across the room as Marty left the table. Christy sensed the haze of the previous day, days closing in around her. 
She might be young, naive, and inexperienced, but she wasn't stupid. Yes, she was. Why <laughs> couldn't she figure this out? God. <laughs> Never before had she struggled with so many questions. Her aunt's and uncle's answers failed to satisfy her. She was determined to get a tighter grasp on what life was all about, and she would do it before she went back to Wisconsin. So there's a lot to unpack there. There is a lot, right? It's so it's so much and also nothing at the same time. <laughs> yes. But yeah, cuz she also it's also like if and if I don't happen to pull myself in in time, then splat splat that's that too bad. I mean, kind of. Like isn't that kind of how life works out? Like I mean, what about consequential thinking though? Like maybe don't get high and go sur- body surfing. Like Right. Yeah. There, well, there yes, is an I, element of just, like, being aware and paying attention. So, in what the author is trying to portray here is Bob is expressing, like, a very libertine sentiment of just, like, do whatever feels right and, you know, uh, exert a little bit of judgment mm-hmm. and uh, be your own person, which I think it's very interesting that that gets folded in there enough that... Uh, the author puts it in twice, mm-hmm. uh, specifically having Christy call out as she's rejecting Bob's line of thinking, Sean was his own person and now he's dead. Mm-hmm. Like, is it really necessary to have a specific message of you cannot have any individuality and you must conform? Yes. Mm-hmm. Apparently. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly, you cannot be your own person in the evangelical church if you, or in Christianity, you know, you have to follow God and what you don't know what God is saying unless someone is preaching it at you. You cannot be your own person. It's not okay to have your own actual spiritual, spiritual life, you know, like it's just, it's, we have these um, you know, supposedly personal relationships with Jesus Christ, but it's a personal relationship with the pastor who's telling you what to do. And if not, then screw you. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's why it's so kind of nefarious that she sets up Todd in that position of like, of power. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know? Um, well, and along with that, it's like telling you to not listen to your own intuition. Yeah. Like, as if you don't like, have your own intuition. You can't trust yourself. Don't, don't you know, trust like your gut, Sean, yeah. Sean made a stupid mistake, and he died. And that was, like, he was obviously not in his right mind. But generally, you can you can trust a 15-year-old girl. You can trust a teenage girl can has intuition. Like, they're not completely stupid and just going to, like, do stupid. They might choose something stupid. But you have intuition from the time you're a little kid. Like, you know when something feels off. And, and we've already seen her ignore that when she walked on the beach in the dark with Todd. <laughs> and right, she did. Right, and yeah. she thought that she was uncomfortable about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I think it's also interesting that it's she's demonizing the idea of looking after yourself or like doing things that you want for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. That's seen as like bad and selfish. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, like no one else is looking after you. I mean, I guess ideally God is looking after you. So you're supposed to trust God, but this 
ends up, especially for women, being like, you're in a terrible relationship. You need to trust God. Don't leave the relationship, you know? Right, yeah. Don't don't do anything for you. Don't mm-hmm. do what you want to do in life, you know? God will show you what you want to do in life. And guess what? It's serving a man. Yep. <laughs> So, so the author's doing this thing here where like what, what the author wants to say is Bob's philosophy in life is you exert your own judgment to make your own rules and figure things out. And the author wants to say, no, that's wrong. God has a plan and rules and like behaviors that you're supposed to follow to be an upright and righteous person. Um, and that is the proper way to live. But she can't just come out and say that. So what we have instead is when Christy contradicts Bob, when she says, he just lets me go my own merry way. And, uh, you know, if I, if, I don't, if I don't make the right choice, splat, that's it, too bad. And it's like, well, yes, because the, the author's made a mistake here because what Christy, Christy is de- describing is just the act of having free will and making choices. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how mm-hmm. devoted to God you are, you still have that free will and you're still exerting judgment on your Christian values and making choices about what to do. And God doesn't override that in most people's theology and faith. And also we've established like, yes, bad things happen to pious people. God doesn't fucking protect you. He doesn't yank you back into the cable car if you decide to get decapitated. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a terrible argument it doesn't work except for evangelicals it there is this belief that you have free will but if you talk to god he will tell you the right thing to do right so like obviously it's not uh you get to choose what you want to do it's a there is a good choice and a bad choice for every single choice you could possibly mm-hmm. make so this is why you need to have a personal relationship with God and be talking with God all the time. And, you know, when you go to the mall, you need to pray to ask God to give you the right parking spot and you need to ask God about every single stupid thing in your life. And if it goes wrong, then it's like God is, is like leveling a judgment on you or, you know, you, you obviously made the wrong choice. You better not pick the wrong life partner because there's only one and God has ordained it, you know, Yes, it is. I mean, down, like you're saying, down to the most minute detail, as in like, which like I would every, every breath I took almost literally, like, <laughs> even when I was, oh, yeah, that's, I'll say this. Right. Um, but say just, it, say it. <laughs> well, I'm just, it's so stupid. But like, when I was a little kid, I would be like, okay, I'm going to hold my breath for 30 seconds. And then God, maybe you can give this breath to somebody else who needs it. Just oh, <laughs> so like, yeah. <laughs> the sweetest. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I just like that randomly came to me. But so I would like That's hold my breath like at night sometimes because I thought that was going to do something, but clearly. It's so sweet though. <laughs> That's the the innocence, the sweet innocence of a child. But also it went in, you know, stuff like that as I was getting older, as far as like, okay, God is, is ordaining, like I have to, or the Holy Spirit, I have to listen to the Holy Spirit every single step I take, literally, like, which street do I turn down? Or if I'm at the mall, Uh which shirt do I buy? 
Like this is like this is like why Christians like well, lots of people have anxiety, but Christians have anxiety like through the roof because they think that and they're not allowed to have anxiety. But you know, mm-hmm. like Oh, it's not a real thing. Right, Are you right. trusting God? I mean I mean, yeah, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So there's always that verse that comes that you, you know, comes back at you so you feel so bad about being anxious. But yeah, like what shirt should and I you're, but you're feeling anxious because shirt. you're presenting everything with prayer and petition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's just ridiculous the amount of like it's okay. Like if you buy a white shirt or a black shirt, like just buy a freaking shirt. Just don't walk around naked. Whatever. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I think this idea that there's like for most things there's no wrong decision. It was so liberating for me. That's what I was going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's okay. That's, I just wanted to piggyback on that with like, yeah. Cause it was like, everything had a moral, every single thing that you did had, Mm -hmm. was a moral decision. Yes. And that's exhausting. And yeah. And something might be bad. People still live like that. Mm -hmm. And it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Especially because they're often choosing the wrong things. (laughs) Yeah. Mitch. So, so Lindsay, in your, in like your uh, example of like childhood prayer, of course, that's like just, you know, like a a silly thing that kids do, but um, you actually reminded me of something that like adults do also like this attitude of like, okay, if I, if I can hold my breath, maybe God can give that breath to someone else. Why, why, why can't God just give people breaths? And also like, that's, that's magic. That's like you're making a sacrifice to bribe God into doing yes. something on your hmm. behalf. That's like sorcery. Hmm. <laughs> you know, if you, if you look at like other religious magic traditions or the like, uh, it's the exact same kind of magical thinking attitude of like, okay, I pay this to the gods and uh, results come out, which I, th- I feel like in theological teachings is supposed to be false uh in in the christian church but in what they do it often (laughs) Mm -hmm. doesn't turn out that way yeah and so that's kind of the same with fasting too like my husband and i haven't fasted for years because we were like Mm -hmm. because our theology was like jesus paid everything on the cross blah, blah 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 so we're free we don't have to make these sacrifices of like fasting and and uh you know, like animal sacrifices, all this stuff to get God to listen to us. So we haven't fasted for years. And plus, I just hate fasting anyway. But we, mm-hmm. we based it on like a theological, like we don't believe that you have to fast anymore. And but yeah, that's so interesting that you say that I never thought about that before, that you have to make a sacrifice or do something like a spell or whatever, um, mm-hmm. or have all these little ingredients or whatever it is. I don't know anything about that. So sorry if I totally... Said that well, word, but it's, it's, yeah, it's just the vague idea of, of like spiritual transactionalism. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah, which I like, think is something that evangelicals accuse like Anglicans and Catholics of. <laughs> yes, um, misdirect. Look at yeah. them! Look at them! Yeah, and We're it's like if, <laughs> yeah, and if God, this is why I have actually lately been struggling with the thought of prayer, even because I still believe in God, but I'm like, if there's any miracle or anything that has happened how much of it is actually spiritual and how much of it is psychological and just, you know, if some, if you pray for something to happen and it happens, was it going to happen or was it because God heard your prayer and why is he answering some prayers and not other prayers? 
you know? So I've been struggling with that thought lately of like, well, what is there a point in praying? And I still do pray and I probably will still always pray, you know, (laughs) but it's just like, is it more of just like hanging out to chat or do I really believe you're going to do something? Because that's like, what, what do you go to when someone really needs help and there's really nothing you can do? You pray. Well, I mean, I, I pray for that person, like, God, please like help them. If there's nothing like tangible that I can do in that situation, you know, and I don't know if it's just like this thing that you need to just like help you release this thing in you or what it is. I think it can also help you to like shift your, shift your perspective on things. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be kind of like meditative and helpful in that way. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I still pray. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like so deeply ingrained, you know? It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I enjoy like my personal, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ (laughs) or with God, really. I haven't really, I feel like I used to be so close, like best buddies with Jesus. And now I'm like, it's more like me and God now, because I feel like. I don't know. It's just. A You've outgrown thing. Jesus. I've out, yeah. <laughs> it's more of like, because now I, you know, just with the deconstruction thing, I'm like, okay, so who was Jesus really? And now I'm more like, mm-hmm. okay, I still believe in God. So I think I'm closer to God at this moment in time. But. Um, or spirit or. Or whatever. Goddess. Yeah. Goddess. yeah. Yes. Creator. Yeah. 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 So I just. Like, Life force. I, yeah. I, I like can't not do it. You know, I can't not mm-hmm. pray and I don't want to make myself not pray. You know, I'm not purposely becoming like anti God, you know, I just, yeah. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but you're making so sorry. much sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're making so much sense. Cause it's not the removing yourself from a toxic and abusive theology is not the same as like, not believing that you have a spiritual part of yourself Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. needs expression, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that you can connect to things greater than yourself. Hmm. It's just this organization, this institution is rotten. Yes. Um, Okay. So they go back to... we've made it two chapters oh my god (laughs) we're two hours i don't know (laughs) are we gonna make it through how many parts like this one there might be a few a few pauses who knows yeah this there's not the only thing i wanted to talk well there's some important things coming up though because um they go back and she gets a call from Alyssa, who asks her to come over Oh, no, wait. She doesn't get a call from Alyssa. She goes to the beach and sees Alyssa on the beach and tells Alyssa that Sean is dead. And Alyssa's mm-hmm. like, oh, whatever. I met a guy there and he has a Porsche. I met a guy at the party and he has a Porsche. And Christy's like, Alyssa, I just told you Sean died and all you can talk about is a dumb car. Didn't you hear what I said? And Alyssa's like, listen. Maybe you're too young to know what life is all about, so let me tell you, life is hard, little girl, and the sooner you figure that out, the better off you'll be. Sean died, okay? He's dead. People die, you know? They leave you, and you can't get all depressed about it. They're gone. There's nothing you can do to change that. You've got your your life to live, so what do you... So what do you... 
so do sorry (laughs) (laughs) so do what you want and let everyone else burn she's like very if you want any happiness you have to make your own because when it's over it's over you're on your own. Nobody is out there waiting to answer your prayers or make your dreams come true. And this makes Christy so angry. Well, this is like <laughs> Alyssa is she's it, this interaction was kind of like unbelievable to me because even though her time with Sean may have been short, there's no way that she was ineffected or like wasn't affected at all, you know, and maybe this way of like this hard face because her I think her dad is her dad is dead so she is probably like somewhat jaded but you can't be maybe you can be that jaded I don't know but like she she's you know trying to put a a wall up and it's coming out as anger and uncaring but she's probably gonna go home and cry later you know exactly yeah Yeah. it's it's she's triggered yeah by it and so this is her reaction to being triggered yeah yeah and I think what the book does here is so fucking slimy because the author knows that and she's writing that, but she's also presenting it as one of the ways the world tries to keep you away from God. And it's like, no, no, they're not the same thing. Uh, this this woman's hurt reaction is not a temptation to take you away from the arms of God. It's just her stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think the author knows that because oh even... God. Later on, when Christy has an emotional response, like anytime Christy has an emotional response to things, that is portrayed as sinning, really. Mm-hmm. And that's why ultimately that's what leads mm-hmm. her to become a Christian is because she wants to like not feel big emotions anymore. She wants to feel clean and calm. Absolutely. But she's a 15-year-old girl. Like she can't even... Her, control her emotions her hormones are all over the place like that is like one of the worst times in a woman's life and developmentally <laughs> your brain is doing its own thing but that is seen in this world as sin like giving experiencing frustrations is seen as sinning Yes, any negative emotion, you can't trust your feelings. That's like that, I feel like that was like one of the main things that was hammered into us from the time we were little. You can't trust your feelings, and it is what what? Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> no, I farted. Oh. Okay, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it was just so good. Uh, sorry, you, what you were saying was really good. I didn't want it. I didn't want it to take away from that. Charlotte's eyes are like watering. Okay. <laughs> I understand. My husband's not beside me right now, but I kind of get the you know, I get the feeling. Um. So, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yes. So that was like hammered into us, you know, in church that you cannot trust your feelings ever. And which is which can be true. But it was also like not only can you not trust your feelings, but just don't feel unless it's just a, you know, level emotion. If you get angry, like you said, it's a sin. If you do anything that isn't just a steady, like even keeled emotion, you're you're evil. You're being doing something wrong. You're bad. 
Okay, I have so many things to say about that. Um, Like, first of all, I thought it was interesting that you called them negative emotions because that is part of this indoctrination, that there is such a thing as negative emotions, Mm -hmm. right? Rather than just like an emote, like you're experiencing an emotion for a reason and it's your body's perfectly valid response. Mm. And anger and sadness and all those things, like they come from somewhere and they're there for a reason Mm. and they're not bad. They're information, you know, more Mm -hmm. than like being bad, but also this idea that, um, like I agree with you, you're taught, you can't trust your emotions, except when you go into a worship service and they like completely manipulate your emotions to create an environment where they're, where, you know, like they're messing with your emotions and telling you that it's God speaking to you. Yeah. And also, like, anytime dudes get mad, that's, like, the passion of God. But they're very clearly being emotional. Like, the pastors that are yelling yeah. from the pulpit that this this is something I've I, – that kind of blew my mind when I um, learned it. How anytime we talk about, like, people being emotional, we're talking about um, experiencing, like – sadness like when the way women process their emotions and because masculinity and anger are so tied together when Mm -hmm. men are angry or upset about things it's not seen as emotion because like men are so rational you know and you see it so much Mm -hmm. in the church so it's like yeah you're not supposed to be emotional but then there's certain things that are like blatantly emotional that are just like not categorized as emotional mm-hmm. so you're not like you don't even like think about them as being yeah. emotional you know what i mean absolutely because because like so like i said before <laughs> my spiritual gift is crying i cry probably every day oh, yeah. it's just okay. what i do i'm a very emotional person mm-hmm. and i have learned to love it um but growing up it was very like not encouraged um but there was one time and and then I have so many things I can say. Where do I start? But because there's one there's one side of it where I was uh, RA at Bible college, and there was another girl who was also RA, but she was very considered very strong because she had a lot of I would say triggers and anger issues, and everyone viewed her as this very strong, very like whatever woman, and everyone viewed me as this like oh poor Karis, she cries, she she's weak, and she's. Just, you know, she just needs someone to save her and blah, blah, blah. Like, just like this weird, gross other thing. And so that was a struggle for me because then also the the dean, the person that was, like, overseeing us as RAs was also very strong and very angry and very intense. And, like, I basically they were like, well, Karis, you're wrong. The way you handle things is wrong and you need to fix it because you're not like us. Um, but then on the other side of that, there was one time where I approached – uh, my dad about something that I was really upset about, about him and me and our relationship. And um, basically he, he, w- I cried a lot. And um, later basically he told mom, Oh, you know, Karis, she's just emotional, which meant he actually didn't hear a single word oh. 
of anything that I had said. It was, oh, well, she's just emotional. So anything that she said actually didn't matter. We can disregard it. Exactly. It's irrelevant. So, yeah. So everything that you said. Yeah. So I am also major crier too. It's just also how I process. Like I cry probably almost daily as well. But, um, and, and I've done it for so long that I, and I would, my family like makes fun of me for it, but like, you know, and like a, not like, oh, wow, she's crying again, but just like, they think it's endearing or something. But, um, so yeah, but now I'm like, as an adult and after having my daughter, especially I, I, um, came in touch with new emotions such as rage and anger. Um, because, um, just because of the way, like she was in the NICU the first three months of her life and everything. So, and it was so unexpected. So I, I didn't know, I was just so full of like anger and like, I don't, I don't know what, cause she was supposed to be home with me and she's not home. And I don't know, she's connected to all these tubes, all this stuff. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I found these new emotions and now starting to speak up for myself. So now instead of crying, like I had this experience, it's been very stressful the last couple of weeks because I just went off in anger at my father-in-law and just like, just went <laughs> not crazy. I was, I didn't think I was being loud. We were watching my son's soccer game and I just went off because I thought he was like calling my, it's a whole thing. I can tell you after, <laughs> but um, anyway, so, so it's like, so I just went off and stood up instead of stood up for myself and for my son and it's like, so it's like, I can cry and that's, it's okay, but it's not great. But if I stand up and I get pissed off, that's not okay either. So I can't, there's no, like, I can't win, you know? And, and so like, we have now patched things up. It was very stressful, but there's still a lot of hurt, I think, on both sides. And it's going to take time to like, deal with it. So I was trying to explain to him, like, I, I'm trying to learn to stand up for myself and which I had never done in my life growing up. I did not stand. I was quiet and did not rock the boat, didn't do anything. So this is a new thing for me. I probably did it wrong. I probably could have brought it down a notch, but I'm not sorry for a dang thing I said, <laughs> you know, like when I, what yeah, I said sure. to him. So it's just like our emotions are just, I don't know. This was like a tangent. You can skip this part or whatever, but. No, it's good. No, and it's yeah. relevant because as a woman, also, it, if you're a man and you're angry, that's not being emotional. But if you're a woman and you're experiencing any emotion, mm-hmm. that's seen as being emotional and irrational and like. Yeah. And I just. Oh, sorry, go, ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, if you're anything other than just like a quiet little church mouse, you're you're a problem if you're a woman, basically. Mm hmm. Go ahead, Mitch. When men are in control and get to dictate the terms of what counts as rationality and correct thought, they can do whatever the fuck they want and call it rational. That's mm-hmm. that's it. exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's the a, same as oh, it, it's a, they they circumscribe the way you think about the world. They set the terms, mm-hmm. and yes. it's. And it's, they set the boundaries. And so it just becomes so normalized when you're brought up in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Lindsay, you were you were saying earlier that you had been thinking about and like questioning the process of prayer and mm -hmm. of like hearing God's voice. And um, uh, I, I think that that's actually a really like good and important thing, because with like so many dudes in the church, they pray and they hear their own voice and that's God and they do what they <laughs> want. And it's God telling them. Oh, wow. Um, and that leads people to, uh, you know, basically conjure up supreme divine authority confidence in their own emotional reactions to things. And of course, it can't be an emotional reaction. It's holy rationality if it's right. God. Wow. You know, it's like the whole fragility thing. Like you put on this mm -hmm. big face, you're this big person, you're well known, you've got it, you've got everything like in order, but you're actually so fragile. Like, and yeah. I, know, I feel like that's a lot of men too, putting on this face, acting like they have it all together. And they're actually so like feel vulnerable inside and, mm -hmm. and fragile. Yep. Okay, so. Um, so, okay. Where do we want to? Christy goes in the water to get away from Alyssa because she's really mad at her. And then Alyssa leaves, and later Todd comes and he invites her to a concert. This. And. Right. Oh, and, and she says yes. And then she has a conversation with Todd about the, her, all the conversations she's been having with everyone about God. Right? Yep. Um, she told him about the heated conversation about God that she had had with her aunt and uncle. And is this where she's okay? Todd, Christie's voice was low, her tone direct. I feel as though I have a lot of unanswered questions since Sean died. And I think you're about the only one who might understand what I'm trying to figure out. Can I ask you some questions? And it's not just because I'm hot for you. <laughs> no, no. It, but that does play into it. Um, sure. <laughs> okay. First, how do you know you're going to heaven when you die? Oh, okay. This is the Hawaii boat. Yeah. This is actually a very influential analogy for me as like an 11 or 12 year old. I thought it was very deep. Hmm. Um. So she asks him, how do you know you're going to heaven when you die? And he, because he accepted Christ, but what does that mean? Um, Todd looked out at the ocean. He seemed to be thinking hard. It's, it's so simple that it's hard to explain, he finally said. Ugh. Sorry. Is it so simple if it's hard to explain? <laughs> well, and that's just so, that's just like such a smarmy reply. Oh, it's so, it's so easy. Yeah. Like, it's just so... Ugh. I just get linear algebra. It's so simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to explain. Yeah. How can I dumb uh, this down for you, idiot? Basically. Well, it's, it's, no, it's not just that. It's saying, like, if this doesn't make sense, that's because something's wrong with you. Yes, <laughs> like, totally it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think for him, too, because he is only a year a year old in his faith... He is also struggling with how to communicate it. As we saw at Sean's funeral, I think what we're supposed to be seeing is the beginnings. These are the seeds, the, the, the tiny sprouts of his preaching gift 
right? Mm-hmm. This is him stepping into his gift of being a preacher and a pastor. And it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and he's growing into it kind of, you know, and this is, I think this is what we're seeing. I think you're giving too much credit because the author doesn't really spell it out that way. She just presents it as Todd being great. Well, except it is like super awkward and he doesn't really like end it well or, you know, like, and because I know also later he becomes a pastor. But then it also... Because of the way Todd handles it, Christy's the one that feels like she's dumb. She didn't like it when she came across so dumb. <laughs> right? Uh, and so then he gives her this analogy. Should I, can I read the analogy? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, one second. Wait, because oh. he said yeah. people have a free choice to either live life their own way or to live it God's way. But what is God's way? Christy practically shouted. My uncle keeps telling me to be true to myself. And Alyssa was telling me that I've got to make my own way. And all my aunt does is avoid reality and try to think positively. I'm so mixed up. I can see how you would be. (laughs) (laughs) Um... What is... So she's trying to find out, like, what does it mean? What is God's way? And Todd says... It's like this. You're looking out at the Pacific Ocean, right? Somewhere out there is Hawaii. Imagine that Hawaii is heaven. You'd never make it there swimming all by yourself. You need a boat. Just Jesus is like that boat. Do you follow me? (laughs) Sort of. She doesn't at all. This is a terrible analogy. Well, it's up to us to make the choice. We can reject a free ride on the boat to Hawaii, or we can sit here and say... Yes, I believe in that boat and I believe in Hawaii, but unless we actually get on the boat, we're never going to make it to Hawaii. I believe all that, Christy agreed. There seemed to be something deeper to what he was saying, but she just didn't get it because he's not being very clear. Um, Yes, Todd challenged, but have you turned your life over to Jesus or are you sitting on the shore saying, I believe in the boat and I believe in Hawaii, but you haven't actually gotten into the boat yet? Todd had touched an area she wasn't quite ready to wrestle with. She pictured pictured herself getting into a boat headed for Hawaii. It seemed risky giving up the safety of being on shore, riding a boat through the wild waves. Oh, well, she smiled at Todd. That gives me something to think about. I'll let, let it settle in for a while. I need to get back to the house pretty soon. And she just kind of ends it there. I mean, he was being really pushy. But... Have you turned your life over to Jesus? So, uh, I mean, ending it and being like, okay, I got to go now. That seemed like that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, that does seem like uncomfortable, good. right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're attacked. I feel pressured and now like I'm under a microscope. So. And also, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mitch. Um. This lines up perfectly with her dream, her nightmare from before where she was like in the water and being pulled down by the seaweed Seaweed. or she could swim up and get into the boat Mm -hmm. conveniently. (laughs) Lots of, uh, lots of water analogies here in California. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Mm 
<laughs> Does anyone have anything to say about this analogy or should we just move on? I'm fine with moving <laughs> I'm, on. I'm, we can move on. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's so... <laughs> just... It's it's weirdly evangelicals have this weird fixation on. So I was describing earlier how like the um, the Anglican Church has uh, like ritualistic formal ceremonies to uh, specify your commitment to the church and to Christ, but also that they don't really um, insist on it as um, a way of judging or not. Um, and for me, like this, this is evangelicals insisting on magic again. It's like, um, oh, well, you, have, have you turned your life over to Christ? Okay. But have you really done it? No. Have you done it properly? Mm -hmm. Have you said the word in mm -hmm. the right sequence? Yeah. Have you, like, have you, have you done, have you done the right spell that lets God into mm -hmm. your life? Or are you just someone who loves God and wants to be with God and believes in Christ and prays to God and asks God for forgiveness for your sins? That's not enough. <laughs> you need to make this very specific, mm -hmm. like symbolic gesture of submission, which I, um, so I've been out of it for longer than anyone else here, but like, where is the scriptural evidence for that being necessary <laughs> i don't think there is i don't i don't think that's there for okay wait scriptural evidence for, for asking jesus into your for heart si saying a prayer oh, specifically man. date Sinner's time our specifics emotion the uh the closest thing that i can think of is if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the only thing I can think of. And that's in Romans. Right. Yeah. Christy's been doing that every Sunday for her entire life. But yeah. not the right way. But not, exactly. for, not for Todd. Not for <laughs> Jesus, Todd. But this, okay. What you just said made me realize that this is not about, what this is about is control. Like yes. surrendering all control over your life, mm. right? When you get into the boat, you no longer have any control. You're at the mercy of the boat or and whoever is driving the boat, right? And that's what they really want is they just want you to be at the mercy of the church and the mm -hmm. pastor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's about you have to submit control and give your life to God, whereas in in scripture, and, and they take a very different meaning of that. In in biblical scripture, it's you confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, you ask for the absolution of your sins, done. And then it's good to, you know, follow a Christ-like life. That's the whole thing. That's the religion. That's mm -hmm. the that's the faith. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the doctrine. There's yeah, but, God. But what Jesus about died. You if confess you that you believe in him? <laughs> but what about if you can't find a parking spot or you don't know what to wear? Then you know what then, are you supposed then, to do? Then you have obviously sinned and need to confess so that it can be clear and you can find and then a parking spot will open for you. Clearly. 
If God isn't controlling every aspect of your life, he's not controlling any aspect of your life. They really say that, don't they? I remember a number of sermons being like, you need to surrender more of your life to God, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what areas are you still holding on to? Where is it that you haven't let God into, you know? What part of you remains that is you and independent? Exactly. Yeah. And in and therefore in rebellion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you haven't given because it's your not like soul. Yeah. It's not like God created you to be a unique and individual person that he loves and is a special snowflake flower, beautiful flower in the world to be enjoyed and appreciated by other people. What he did was create you as a horrible monster that needs to be changed into an exact cookie cutter replica of the same as everyone in the pews beside you. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Preach it. I think my, my analogy is better than Todd's. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, so then she goes home, gets ready for this concert. Todd is late picking her up. Mm-hmm. She gets all dressed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and when he arrives, he's like wearing shorts. So again, we have like the opposite. When she went to the party, she was in sh- she was in jeans and a t-shirt, and everyone was wearing like cute dresses. And now she's in a cute dress. And she goes out to the car, finds out it wasn't a date. It's actually like a whole minibus full of people. They're all wearing jeans and she's the only one dressed up. And she had given Todd the present she got for him that I escaped from Alcatraz shirt. Um, And Tracy's sitting in the front seat as usual and opens it for, she's like, here, I'll open it for you, which seems very like, really? Like, (laughs) If that seems inappropriate. Yeah. And then they all make jokes about the shirt. Like, oh, she's got you figured out. And Tracy feels, or, and Christy feels humiliated for some reason. Um, And then they get to the place where this concert is. And this is, I thought this was very interesting. And maybe this is what she was using to set up in opposition to like the funeral. Hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. But and because also, so they, oh sorry, yeah, just also the fact that there's they're always like when she this is a like big mega church and when she moves to California she goes to a big mega church it's all like massive churches like why are they so big and why is this <laughs> the right thing? Yeah, somehow it's better. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't know it's a church yet. It's, oh yeah, it looks like a community center, um, and they go inside. I mean, this is what I was thought was interesting because there's a whole conversation about how it's a church and she had no idea it was a church, even though there was probably a uh-huh. giant sign that said it was a church. Yeah, or a cross um, on the front, in the front or something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, she, it says the only hint that it might be a church was the long padded benches they sat on. No shit. That's like not that's... A, a subtle sign. <laughs> yeah, no no community so center has like pews. <laughs> you will only find pews in churches. I've never seen them anywhere else. Mitch. Okay. So for me, growing up in churches that looked like places of worship, um, 
I can see how Christie would have made a mistake and not figured out that the big boxy mall of gods that you all worship at. Uh, sorry, I, I, I'm doing some us versus them stuff. No, it's here. accurate. I, I um, but but yeah, no 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 no. Uh, I. I it took me a while to figure out like what was going on. I, I was like, this looks like an, an event center. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we, she was likely Episcopalian. <laughs> Probably. Um, in this situation, they would have, they would have tricked me. And that's what's going on here. It's so fucked up. They, they trick her. They like, do. Hey, we're all going to a cool concert. Surprise. <laughs> it's church. I mean, and this is good because Todd, <laughs> I mean, I feel like this happened at our church, too. Because they would do, like, we're going to have a fun concert, have some screamo band, Christian screamo, bring all your friends, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But it was always Christian concerts, but it was, like, under the guise of, like, cool music. Mm-hmm. And then there's always an altar call at the end. <laughs> so awkward. Yeah. Evangelicals are so in love with themselves over this tactic. They think it's the cleverest shit in the world Mm -hmm. and that everyone loves it and is always sucking. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't know you could have fun at church. No one is impressed. Everyone is annoyed. It It feels shitty to everyone. Did you see Maria Bamford's (laughs) Netflix special? Yes. Where she talks about, like, coming down to the rock, you know, <laughs> and now everyone she's like we've got yeah we've got games and music and they're like oh it's church <laughs> and, and and like you know like um the the other cultural like, problem like exercise exercise your faith however you want if you want to get together and have a good casual time like uh or whatever like that is okay no, but this is but all they know they're lying and sneaking and lying mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. yeah. It's yucky. Because how else do you get kids inside the church or mm-hmm. adults and like right? It's yeah. every it's their tactic in every area. It's literally lying it's and gross. Yeah, it is. It's yucky. So, it's so, manipulation. Yeah. Sorry. So they I have noticed this now that I'm on the outside looking in as far as like so I um am going to homeschool my children and well unschool, but anyway, that's different thing but um mm-hmm. so I was at a homeschool convention oh really oh nice so um I was at a homeschool convention this weekend and I went a couple years ago um and it was I just asked because I wasn't sure it's called the great home I don't know if I can say it it's called the great homeschool convention and I asked a lady when I was there I was like is this like a Christian based thing because I just didn't know like if there would be like secular and Christian or or what it was and she was like oh no no everyone's welcome and then as she was saying that I'm like oh, okay so it's a Christian one like <laughs> she's saying like no, oh by no, the everyone. way and like everyone's welcome say. but really and um because I think she was thinking like oh this girl's this lady's not a Christian so yes we she of course she's welcome mm-hmm. um and but now and then I went um actually I stopped following them on Facebook because they were going way too right wing and just ridiculous and stupid. But I was like, well, I've already paid for the convention, so I'm going to go. And, um, and, um, there's so many, and it it has a lot of good stuff. It has like, you know, a parenting track and stuff about like dyslexia and different, like, I I mean, so there's lots of like classes that you can take about a whole bunch of subjects that aren't religious, but it is so right wing. There's not a single secular 
like booth there and I'm like why why don't you just say that you're Christian like don't you you cannot you cannot trick people on the outside looking in that you are anything but a Christian convention just call yourselves that you cannot trick people you can't trick me and I was raised in this because for receiving certain amounts of uh, governmental authority and funding for supporting of homeschools they're supposed to be on paper a secular institution Oh, interesting. Mm. Even in the United States, um, do you think? So frequently in practice, they are not. It's one of these weird, conflicting, double standard things in um, uh, not just American culture, because it happens up here in Canada as well, where like <clears throat> homeschooling is just supposed to be a thing. Anyone can take the option of, ch- of teaching their children at home. Mm-hmm. It's not a religiously aligned practice. Mm-hmm. But in practice... They do these conferences on uh, on homeschooling and how important it is to have parents be able to independently uh, impress their values onto their kids uh, as if it's supposed to be a completely neutral concept. And I've seen some of these and it's like a training video and they're holding it in a church. There's a church behind the speaker and he opens with a prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're, you're really, really like burying the lead here. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, you know, you're not and, coming across as impartially as you think you are. Yeah. Oh, and for if sure. the entire yeah. infrastructure didn't already favor letting them do this, even though they really shouldn't be allowed to, they wouldn't get away with it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I know some people who are trying to like homeschool from a like left wing secular point of view, and it's very difficult for them because, of course, like homeschooling is really, really difficult. It's a huge responsibility, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's no curriculum for that. And and it's, and that's the thing: if you're not aligned with ideologically what homeschooling uh, effectively is as a culture, there's no resources for you, and there's no one to help. Yeah, so I feel like unschooling has more room for that. Yeah. Yes, yes, unschooling is amazing. But anyways, that's a whole different tangent. But yeah, so I have found. I'm glad you're getting good stuff out of it. I'm. I have found that um, it is very difficult for people who are secular school homeschoolers to find resources that aren't Christian based. There are. I mean, I think there's getting more and more because more and more people are homeschooling for like various reasons, but. Like I'm a part of, um, there's like a one called Charlotte Charlotte Mason on uh, Charlotte Mason Secular Homeschoolers, and so they're they're always trying to like fu- like get their own group, but it's very hard to to get your own group that it doesn't have religious like infiltration. And even like on the Ohio Homeschoolers like main website, people will ask questions about like. So I want a non-religious curriculum or I want a curriculum about this subject. And then they get so much judgment. And it's just like, they didn't ask you for your freaking religious beliefs. They want a curriculum, a specific curriculum. And they're put, you know, people are putting like sad faces and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, ah, if you don't have anything to say, just if you don't have something constructive, just shut your freaking mouth and move on. You are not helping them. Like just, you can preach at them later. They want help to help their child. They want them to grow and learn in this way. They don't need your legalistic religious bullshit. (laughs) And if anyone did that to them, they would cry persecution. Uh, Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, yeah. Persecution. Christian American Christians don't know what what persecution is unless they have been beat up. That is what I can consider persecution. If you're being beat 
or like threatened by for violent violently or whatever then like no one of any religion should be persecuted to you know to that degree but being like yelled at or mocked a little bit blah 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 blah, like or or being mildly disagreed with in a very respectful manner (laughs) yes that yes what christians american christians think is persecution is just the saddest freaking thing like you have no idea your head isn't being chopped off being expected to abide by the rights and responsibilities that everyone has. Yes. Persecuted. Yeah. Persecuted. Yeah. 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 Not being special. Yeah. Persecution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Not have. Yeah. Yeah. But there's other people that want rights. That's not okay. Persecution. <laughs> well, that means I can't exploit them anymore. Mm. Uh, mm. Yes. Um. Sorry, we're going. We're going okay. like so far. No, I I love where this went, and oh, yeah. actually, you reminded me that um, we're excited for upcoming Christian movie night because soon the God's Not Dead four movie is going to be released, and that is all <laughs> about home, like Christian homeschooling, and how persecuted they are. So oh, that's going to be no. a good one. Did you? You should live. We should watch with us. Yeah, from afar. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't like a seen Facebook the first, live or whatever. I haven't seen the first three. You don't need to. It's, oh, they don't. Okay. They're, they're not don't. linear. No. Oh, okay. they, they stand alone. Gotcha. Um. Okay. So they're at this concert. One of my favorite lines, I think, in the entire book, it happens here. Um, as the concert. This is right after she realized they're in a church. As the concert continued, Christy listened with a discerning ear. The songs all had hidden messages. (laughs) She realized, realized, and since this was the kind of thing Todd liked, she wanted to try to get into it too. Um, I mean, first of all, like, aligning her identity with a boy she likes is, like, super healthy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. for sure. And, but that, like, the songs have hidden messages was like, no, they're not hidden. They're yeah. very obvious. They're, they're blatant. <laughs> they're blatant, yeah. <laughs> but they think they're being so subtle. Um, And then later on, she, she looked down the aisle at Todd. He's so cute. I wish he liked me. Like, the way these events get also conflated with kind of burgeoning sexuality and Mm. like attraction to the opposite sex because it's always like youth and half the time people go because they're interested in someone else who's Mm. there and it all gets all entangled with spirituality and it just becomes this like really messy weird sex cult kind of thing (laughs) yeah and it's like oh he's like this was me all the time, like at YC or even in church or whatever, yes. like the youth leaders. I was obsessed with like half the youth leaders because I'd be like, you're so spiritual, oh my gosh. And it's just like, you're so like in love with them, infatuated because they're so spiritual, you know? And it's just like, oof, these these emotions, man. Yeah. And you're not really, like, you don't really care that much about God, but you're like pretending to care about God <laughs> because you like think it makes you more attractive or whatever. Yeah. You know, it makes you more in tune. Yeah. Uh, Kate, right. 
I want to, as we're going on two and a half hours, um, I want (laughs) to, I know. The lyrics, the concert. Yeah, I didn't, I I wasn't going to get into any of the lyrics because I feel like that's too much, but we could. Um, no, we we don't have to. They're they're so simple. Yeah. yeah. I I did want to talk about this thing though where the singer Debbie something goes does her like conversion story that is basically the exact same journey that Christy is on. Mhm. Um mm-hmm. which I thought was how convenient. Mhm. Amazing. Um we do we do oh and and the author paints the singer as like this wonderful saint person in contrast to christie's idea of rock stars who are all you know snooty aloof too cool to be personal with their fans Mm. but but debbie this christian rock star is uh is wonderful and so nice because she's trying to convert her um I this I thought this was very interesting. So they go they they go backstage after the concert and set they try and Karis <laughs> is reading my notes. <laughs> I'm cheating. because um, <laughs> my notes say Christian musicians are not this nice. <laughs> Christian <laughs> musician <laughs> stories. Because they say um Weren't singers supposed to be aloof, temperamental, and very protective of their backstage lives? Debbie sparkled with her genuineness. And there's a lot of focus on how Debbie is a very sparkly, how her eyes sparkle and how she's just, you know, like you can literally see the love of God shining out of her eyes, which was everyone's goal, right? So, yes. Okay. So this reminded me of, so where is it? Oh, her shiny black hair curled in little ringlets. I can't say the word. It wasn't necessarily her makeup because she didn't have much on. But there was something about the way her eyes glistened that made her beautiful. And that just stood out to me because, again, the whole, like, makeup is bad. Don't try to express yourself in any way. Be modest. And also, this reminds me that there is an Adventures in Odyssey episode about a girl who wears makeup who's like 11 or something she wears makeup do you guys know which one i'm talking about I don't okay i think names. there is one i think it's the same one where she like wears a dress that her dad didn't like is oh, it robin okay. i think it's like robin and i think it's the same one that's about modesty or maybe it is okay, that she wears yeah. makeup and her father doesn't approve and she like goes out to a party i is don't it that remember- one I, I just okay. know that there's like a girl that does who is allowed her mom allows her to wear makeup and she's like 11 years old and looks like 15 or 16 which I don't know how you can be 11 and look 15 or 16 maybe like 14 or something but yeah there's something uh, but yeah anyway. I know how it's because the writer is a pedophile yeah oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. there it is yeah. yeah creepy yeah with God, blah, blah, blah. Todd is, like, watching Christy to, like, make sure that she's having, like, a spiritual moment. Like, yeah. Christy glanced down the aisle and Todd caught her gaze and smiled back. Like, he's watching her to make sure that she's, like, picking up what she's supposed to be picking yeah. up from 
from this whole experience. True. This is why he brought her for this exact moment. Can you True. get saved already so that I can give you the innocent kiss at the end? Yeah. Exactly. The, the, Whoa, spoiler. The incredibly oh. unsubtle Christian lyrics are going, and Todd is like holding up the Bible and gesturing. <laughs> you know, like, huh? huh? You see? Do, do you get Bible, it? Do God. you understand? <laughs> this is a church. Yeah. <laughs> He, oh, the, he, it hasn't been her birthday yet. Wow, we. I know there's a go. lot to go because okay, okay. we because her birthday is a huge thing. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. So not, we're we're not getting out that, of this in, uh, no. in this episode. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> after no. that, they go backstage, uh, meet the sparkly-eyed singer who mm-hmm. obviously has God shining in her eyes and not just a manic craziness, and. <laughs> She, Christy <laughs> mentions to her that that song about her conversion experience really made her feel something. And um, Debbie is like, oh, what did you feel in front of everyone? And Christy feels really put on the spot. And then everyone is like you. trying to make space for Christy to have like an important spiritual conversation with Debbie. So they're like, Let, we'll go buy CDs. And Debbie's like, do you want to stay here and visit for another minute? And Christy doesn't want to, but she feels put on the spot Mm -hmm. and doesn't know how to say no. So she's kind of like forced into this alone time with a stranger who is the singer. Mm -hmm. I, I think really telling here, the author straight up writes out, didn't know how to say no as the reason why Christy stays. Mm-hmm. But that's supposed to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's yep. because as a woman, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, because then she corners her. It's like uh, about asking Jesus to forgive your sins and come into your heart. And Christy's like, "Why did they leave me here for Debbie to pin me down like this?" Like she's like, mm-hmm. she feels "I was abandoned. abandoned and then cornered." Because as a woman, you're not supposed to look after yourself. You need other people to look mm-hmm. after you. In this case, Todd should have been looking after her. Mm-hmm. And his way of looking after her is basically to throw her to the wolves so that she can become acceptable for him to look after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it even says, um, here she was, alone with a complete stranger who was asking her about her innermost thoughts. It's just like... And that is so much of church too. Like you got to have your accountability circle or your accountability partner. Like, Kate, hey, tell me your deepest, darkest secrets. And it's like that's a very personal thing, and you're forced to do this. With and it's so not many safe. people. No, not at all. Because what are they it's saying behind your back? You. Now we'll yeah. just have a prayer request for you out loud. Yeah, yeah. and you also know? then it's like used to manipulate you. Like, oh well, mm-hmm. you know, like you told me this thing well maybe you you really like chocolate so you shouldn't go oh are you going for another dessert like (laughs) yeah yeah. you know like everything is used as a judgment against you yeah well and so then so then she's like why is she preaching at me like this which she Uh, is she thought feeling more and more angry at the group for leaving her okay valid thought valid Mm -hmm. concern Mm -hmm. valid anger yeah and so then She's trying to, like, leave and be polite. Like, thanks. And then Debbie gives her a CD. And then she's like, thanks. Then, feeling she had been rude to cut Debbie off so fast, she told Debbie, I'll listen to it. I promise I will. So now she's managing Debbie's emotions Mm -hmm. and having to now redirect herself after having a perfectly legitimate reaction to being abandoned and then Mm -hmm. cornered and then having religion shoved down her throat. But now she has to make sure... 
that mm-hmm. she doesn't leave things on a bad note because it's right. her responsibility mm-hmm. Make sure to like so nice okay. even when she's being cornered and bullied. Yep. He Todd is kind of the worst. Like he it would not be he is not a good person to date or be married to. <laughs> um I think we should end there. And then we'll pick up chapter 11 next week, next time. Um, And next time we'll find out some more about Alyssa. Mm -hmm. So we'll leave it on a cliffhanger. Does Todd like Christy or not? Who knows? Until find out more next time. Thanks for listening. For the love of Todd. (laughs) Our newest Patreon series. Um, thanks for being here, you guys. It's yeah. always so fun. This is uh, one of my favorite things that we're doing right now. So, and I love doing it with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.